Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast with me, Stu Whiffin. Hope you're all good today. So, today's guest, Dr. Susie Gage. I don't think I know any other doctors. Dr. Fox weren't a real doctor, was he? Dr. Susie Gage. So, Susie's a friend. Susie is a Distraction PCs Network sister because she has a podcast called Say Why to Drugs, and I don't need to tell you all about that because it's super successful and ace. And I've known Susie quite a while now, and we've 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 been locked in a room together on one of them locked in a room experiences and we have been on a drunk cast together and she's guested on the Hard Quality podcast and one of the things that Susie and I will chat about when we meet up is generally the bands that we were in and music that we like. So when I knew I was going to do this podcast and chat to my creative buddies about music it was a no-brainer that I was going to hit up Suze so she was kind enough to come down to East London uh, to the book club in Shoreditch to record this um, because she lives up north and so we sat there for an hour and had a, a blinding chat and not that I need to tell you that because you're about to listen to it. So before we, we get to it, just a quick shout out to the Distraction Pieces Network, not just Susie, the rest of the guys and gals over there. And obviously the, the man at the top of the tree over at that network is Mr. Scroobius Pip. Thanks to 76 for producing this. Thanks to Brad Acton and my name is Ad for video stuff and artwork. And most importantly, thanks to you lot for being asked to listen to what I do. And it's never anything but absolutely appreciated with so much love the likes shares retweets and and nice things that you say about this podcast and especially the guests that we have on so thank you ever so much and i think i'm done here we go it's off the beat and track podcast with dr susie gage 76 drop the intro <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. You didn't want the ice? Well, no, it's really rattly. That's all right. <laughs> As you can hear, we've started recording because uh, today's guest now complaining about the uh, the drink that I got. Only for your audio, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. We're recording at the book club in Shoreditch. Um, those guys have kindly given up the table tennis room, which I will put a picture on our social media to show you where I am. It's, it's probably one of the coolest table tennis tables you've ever seen. So I've plotted up in here today, and this is uh, my, my second and last podcast of the day today. And I'm thrilled to say my guest is my distraction PC's sister, Dr. Susie Gage. Hello. You all right? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good. Do I have to call you doctor? <laughs> Can I just call you Susie, yeah? Or George, I don't mind. Or George. Yet. Okay, okay. Right. So... Thank you ever so much. Where have you come from today, Sos? I've come from Liverpool, where I live, but okay. uh, I'm coming down for other things as well, so it's good to try and fit as many things in as possible while I'm down here, yeah. Because you're doing like, actual grown-up stuff after this one, <laughs> aren't you? I'm off to do Radio 4 after this, yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> I imagine it's going to be a very different sounding show to this. Um, let's get straight on with it. So, I always ask the guests, Sos, to... What I should say quickly is you might get a little bit of background noise because um, the the room outside of where we are has got um, some people having some lunch and there's a little bit of background music. So I think it adds to the sort of ambiance of the whole uh, whole recording. So, uh, yeah, you have to put up with that. Deal with it. Exactly. Susie, the song, this is your first track on your playlist, the song with the greatest intro. Right. I know. I think I sent you about 20 of these. But, uh, You've one... sent me about 20 for literally every answer. <laughs> for most answers, yeah. We can talk about honourable mentions. Well, so the one I ended up plumping for after, I think I sent you a second email going, wait, wait, I changed my mind, uh, is Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Yes, yes. Uh, I haven't updated my bit of paper with it on, but it was. You sent that yesterday, yep. didn't you? Um, You've also got in one of your, we, we will talk about uh, Kate Bush in a minute, but you've yeah. also got in your honourable mentions the Future Heads cover of Hands of Love yeah. as well. Uh, two very different intros to the same song. Yeah, and uh, two very different versions, but both of them have a sort of special place in my heart, and both of them have really incredible intros as well. Yeah, so why Kate Bush's, and what does that mean? Well, Kate Bush's is obviously the original and the best. And it starts with, it's in the trees, it's coming. I mean, <laughs> how fucking good is that? Yeah. Uh, just straight in there. And then immediately, like, she's got the most incredible voice, maybe, of anyone. And the whole song is just, it's frenetic. And you feel like you're running with her and you're going to take your shoes off and throw them in the lake as yeah. well. And it's just, just from start to finish. But the intro. It has is, got a very wishful sort of urgency about yeah. it. Oh, it's brilliant. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to get your take on this because um, whenever we, we, we see each other, we do end up banging on about music from yesteryear and such. Um, but when I had Lindy Layton on, she said, and she, she chose Kate Bush for one of her choices, um, and she said she's one of the only artists, she said, can you name any other artist that was good in the 60s or the 70s and then was good in the 80s? Apart from Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Bowie, perhaps? I mean, Bowie's there, but then you've got the sort of universally slated tin machine. Although, yeah. I mean, I've, I, think, I think Bowie's good at consistency. Yeah. I like less stuff. One yeah. of my favourite Bowie songs is Absolute Beginners. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. And that's because brilliant. And yeah. actually, another brilliant intro, Modern Ooh, Love. Yeah, 
yeah. more than love. I know when to go out. Yeah. I know when to stay in and get yeah. things done. I can't believe I've literally just thought of that, but that would have been up there. <laughs> so in a way, it's probably a good job we're recording this now, otherwise I'll just keep sending you suggestions. Honestly, it's been on my mind, like, because we, we, we put the episode out this Monday, so I was listening to it, sorry, this Friday, so I was listening to it, and then when she said that, ever since then, I've just been thinking, God, has there been any other artists that were prolific in their, those, those decades and then continued it into the 80s? Mm. I mean, I think Bowie is there. Yeah. I'm like, so, I don't know. These days now, whenever I think of Bowie, I then also think of Prince, but he didn't really start until nah, a little bit later. Nah. So, yeah. Because when you start thinking of McCartney and things like that, you just think, no. No. <laughs> what wings the band the Beatles could have been. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more spies like us. <laughs> um, so, how, what was your entry point into, into Kate Bush, Suze? Well, so, and in fact, we'll probably talk about this for the next answer as well. But uh, when we were, when me and my sister were little, Sunday lunch was kind of the big meal we ate as a family and we'd go through my parents' vinyl and pick a record to listen to. Oh really? And yeah, usually it was Jesus Christ Superstar or Cats or quite often Leonard Cohen, yeah. which my mum was never particularly pleased about. But um, my dad had a copy of The Kick Inside as well. So I knew that, but I didn't really know anything else until much more recently. Mm. and. I was incredibly lucky in that I got to go and see Kate Bush when she played a few years wow. ago. And I already, like, I'd listened to a lot of Kate Bush by that point, and I knew a lot of the songs, but actually it, was, it took it to a whole next level, and sort of since then, the rarely will a week go by when I won't sort of listen to something yeah. and think about her, or, like, yeah. I've got a Kate Bush T-shirt, and it's got Kate Bush's face now on it, and I don't think I've ever worn it and not got a compliment for wearing it. I was wearing it last night and um, got a compliment on it and just every single time. Someone stopped me in an airport and went, I'm really jealous of you. And I had no idea what she was talking yeah. about. And eventually I realised it says it's got the gig dates on the back. So she yeah. knew that I'd been at the gig. I think Pip went to that as well. I think he took I his think mum. he might have done, yeah. Because uh, them... Them tickets were rocking all shit, weren't they? You could not get them for love and the money. I mean, I got, I just got them through. I had, I was in work, and it was when I was doing my PhD, and there was no one else in the office, so I had like four people's computers on and my phone, and had the windows open, and every single one was just walking around the game, refresh, 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 yeah. and eventually managed to get through. Although I had a terrifying moment where I thought I'd book the VIP ones that were like six hundred quid each, but luckily not. <laughs> nice, nice. Well. Do you want to discuss a few of your um, honourable mentions as well here? Also, Rams, if you put. Yeah. So, the Killing Moon was one that I that was sort of up there. That's an incredible intro. It is an incredible intro, and I, it's partly because it's like it's the start of Donnie Darko as yep. well. And in that film, in the context in the context of that film, it just works really well as was well. Was that your entry point to um, Bunny Man? Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, but also, more recently, I've been reading loads of books about the KLF, and uh, particularly Bill Drummond, and because he was sort of managing Echo and the Bunnymen then, he became yeah. obsessed with that Echo was this sort of weird, mythical rabbit creature. And then, obviously, that song was used in Donnie Darko, yeah. but the director didn't actually want that song to be used. He wanted something else and couldn't get the rights for it. I can't oh, remember really? what now. So in the director's cut, it doesn't start with Echo and the Bunnymen. But, but Bill Drummond was like, well, obviously that song was going to get in there because Echo yeah. was going to get in there because Echo is this bunny creature that's in the film. And 
in all the covers of the artwork, and maybe it's just Bill Drummond sort of having strange thoughts about things. There was, there was, I'm a little bit obsessed with the Caliph as well, and, and there was a lot of talk last year, wasn't there, that, that something was going to happen, and I didn't see anything. Oh, it did, in Liverpool there was like a three-day uh, sort of happening. I was in Japan, because I live in Liverpool obviously, but I was in Japan at the time with work, um, so I missed it, but a lot of my friends went, and uh, they formed a band called Bajakal, and it was about the launch of the book that they'd done. Right. And they did this big procession through the street with the ice cream van, and then lit a big bonfire in the docks in Liverpool. There was a band called Bajakal, and it called Ian Drummond. No, no, no. So they weren't in the band, but basically there were only 100 tickets available, and you weren't buying a ticket to be a spectator, you were buying a ticket to be a participant. So some people were in charge of, some people were being in the band, some people were tasked with being fans of the band, like all sorts of different things. Some people were tasked with um, singing in this choir, and then Jarvis Cocker was there at the end and sang All Bound for Moo Moo Land, and it sounded pretty amazing. Oh, man. Everyone got painted as sort of badger faces on the last night, so some people were charged with painting everyone's faces and that kind of thing. I did not hear anything yeah. about that. I guess maybe because it was in Liverpool, I yeah. heard a lot about it. <laughs> but yeah, it looked amazing. Oh man, that sounds amazing. So, you've got a few more here. Um, oh yeah. Northern Lights or Ice Hockey Hair yeah. by Super Fairy Animals. Super Fairy Animals probably my favourite band ever. Um, I actually went to see Griff on Sunday. He was, he's got Barbican. a new album out. Sorry? Was that a Barbican? No, it was in Manchester. Right. But it was with the Piccadilly Orchestra in Manchester, so doing the new album with an orchestra uh, was really incredible. So yeah. they did the encore first, where they started off just doing some of his sort of back catalogue with a little band, and then the second half was the full album with the orchestra. And it's just his voice is just that no one else sings like him. Yeah. And ah, oh, it's just wonderful but those so Ice Hockey Hair was probably the first Super Fairy song I heard maybe and it's one of those ones where you can, I can really vividly remember that I, I was in a youth hostel in the Lake District and we were playing pool and someone put it on the jukebox and I just stopped and I was like what is this it's amazing but quite a few of the songs that I picked for the best intros are just songs because I really love them. So yeah. like I picked Dreaming of You by The Coral as well. And it does have a great intro, but also yeah. it's because I know that I love the song. And maybe that's true with the Future Heads cover of Hounds of Love as yeah. well. Okay. Is that all of them? Oh, no. No, no you've got, <laughs> not even you've got close. Hundreds, mate. Uh, oh, yeah. So Hard Day's Night is probably a song that's kind of renowned for having a good intro. That chord is pretty special. You can't play that one chord and without not, not going... Carrying on. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> um, it, was, it was really weird that you, you, you said um, Hard Day's Night. When I had Josh Weller on, he chose Help as well, yeah. which is just... When you think about it, you think, that's a great intro. Yeah. You'd never think of it. But he, again, he's just got that stabbing urgency of just like, straight in. And yeah. then he did also point something else out that I'd never seen before. This is the beauty of doing these podcasts. People just kind of drop facts on you. Yeah. Like that you obviously, I've just found out that Caliph did do something. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, because Help hasn't got a chorus, has it? And I was like, of course it has. And I was like, uh, no, it it's, hasn't. It's got three choruses. or Yeah, Yeah, the whole thing's a chorus. <laughs> yeah. It starts with the chorus, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you've gone for Just by Radiohead? Yeah, but I'll talk about that one in a minute. Okay. And um, One on Scissor, I think it's got a really brilliant intro by At The Drive-In. Yeah. That's, if I'm going to say the word urgency again, yeah. that's... Uh, Maybe there's something, yeah, there's something in the songs that I've picked. I mean, that, that's just a smack in the face at the beginning of One Arm Scissor. Yeah. 
That's on my gym playlist, that is. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that could get you through a treadmill with that one. Yeah. And actually, there's, so there's one other that I didn't send you that's kind of related to Killing Moon is Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears, which is also in Donnie Darko. And it's a, the intro of that with the sort of... So good. And, so... Yeah. I think that film had quite a big influence on my music as well. Tears for Fears were a huge, huge band for me growing up. Yeah. Like, I was obsessed with them. Um, and I should have gone to see them in Brighton about three months ago, but um, I think something happened to maybe a loved one oh. and uh, of, of, of one of Roland or Kurt, and, and it's been rescheduled. But that piano loop at the beginning, DJ Destruction, who is a resident in this very venue for the, the Scroobius Pit, where I live tonight, starts his set with that piano. Nice. And Yoda, DJ Yoda has used it as well. It sounds so big and yeah. it's, it's such a, and, and the rest of the song sounds nothing like that, but that intro, yeah. oh, brilliant, watching. Track two, Dr. Susie Gage. Yeah. The first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Now, I think this was the one I probably found the most difficult to answer. Okay. And I think it's because I've got this like disease called nostalgia and oh i get that it's horrible <laughs> isn't it and so like, things things mean so much to me at the time and then looking back on them that gets replaced with kind of a new meaning and i sort of it's hard to remember like i remember sitting in my room and listening to okay computer again and again and again or i've gone through phases of listening to elliot smith again and again and again and i can't remember when the first time a piece of music really like punch me in the stomach or had an impact on me because I've sort of, there was always music. I don't really remember not hearing music. Um, but the, first, the one thing I do remember, I don't know whether it's the first thing, but it's the thing that I remember, is watching Top of the Pops and it was Blur and they were singing End of a Century, although I didn't know that at the time. I just remembered the lyric, kiss with dry lips when we say goodnight. And to be honest, I still don't really know what it means, yeah. but it sort of, it really piqued my interest and it made me think, I was watching it, I think my dad was in the room as well. Was it the video or a live performance? I think it was a live performance, but again, it's like the thing I really remember is that lyric and um, just thinking, yeah, like we listen to music all the time in my family, but we listen to like Capital Gold or we listen to my parents' record collection. So we li I grew up listening to 60s music and Leonard Cohen's more recent albums and soundtracks to musicals basically um but that was the first song i remember hearing that i thought okay this is for me this isn't for them this is for me but there were lots of songs that i really kind of liked at the time as well but you said that you know the, the question was like an emotional impact on you end of a century struck you uh, you know what sort of emotion I guess kind of like excitement that this this is something for me and it felt it it's kind of a nostalgia song as well and I think yeah. nostalgia is key to to me. <laughs> um so I don't I don't kind of I don't know what it was really. I just it just sort of I knew that I had to hear it again and I knew that I wanted to hear more music like this. It was yeah. kind of like something had been unlocked. Because you know to to talk about some of the artists that you said that you you grew up, you know, having them records on at home. I mean, things like Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, yeah. I, I remember like um, my next door neighbour having uh, his parents having that and putting it on. 
and, and I remember being like really, really scared of it. Yeah. And like because religion wasn't in my house, and, and, and they were they were religious next door. And I remember going around there, and, and at the time, religion I didn't understand it, so I was yeah. I was scared of it. And uh, and now I understand it, I'm still scared of it. <laughs> and uh, um, but I just remember hearing that and thinking, oh God, I'm really I'm really scary. Yeah. And then, but I also I, I think where I'm going with it is like. You mentioned Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Now that's that's not necessarily um, accessible pop music. That's quite dark and that's very lyric heavy. Like, yeah. did, did that resonate with you at that age? Well, so I just the thing that I really remember about Leonard Cohen when I was little was me and my sister running around the house going, first we take Manhattan, then we take Berlin." <laughs> but I, I. I I used to sing along to music well before I really understood it. My parents always tell a story about how uh, in my high chair I used to sit and sing, everybody wants to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of, maybe that was the first song that I that spoke to me, but I'm pretty sure I didn't really understand yeah. what I was singing. Um, so I think I tended to listen maybe on quite a superficial level and yeah. not really think about the lyrics yeah. back then. But I do remember when we, because we used to listen to Capital Gold and songs like Nights in White Satin. I used to really love that. It's it sort of you, you. It made you feel sad, but you don't really know why. Yeah. Because it's that wistful sort of nostalgia thing again. It's strange when you say like you know Sunday. I mean the concept of you picking a record and listening to it while you had a family yeah. lunch on a Sunday. I just think it's beautiful. I think it's so nice. But I remember like I've got vivid memories of of listening to. Um, Radio 2 at, at my grandparents' yeah. houses like, and, and, and having like, breakfast and, 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 and hearing, uh, I think it was probably Terry Wogan did a breakfast show on, on Radio 2 and, and you said that about nice in my and I get that from uh, Walker Brothers, I ain't going to shine anymore, yeah. it just takes me there yeah. and probably that the, lyrically probably frowned upon that. Um, Gary Puckett, young girl, uh, <laughs> get out of my life, uh, yeah. and, and Union Gap. But them two songs, like, just take me back yeah. to being probably five years old, and 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 just and it's got an element of comfort to it yeah. because it, it takes you back to somewhere where I guess you're carefree and 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 everything's all right, you know. Yeah, but I was always drawn to like sad songs or wistful songs. So I remember there was a song called Kites by Simon Dupree and Big Sound which I used to really love. And The Days of Pearly Spencer. Oh, what an amazing record. David McWilliams, yeah, it's an incredible yeah. song. And those ones are ones that sort of stuck with me and they weren't the kind of the best known songs that you'd hear yeah. on like 60s radio stations, yeah. but they were the ones that I sort of actively sought out later because yeah. I knew so I knew the words to loads of songs, but I didn't know who they were by or anything like yeah. that. Because when you listen to the radio in the background, you don't necessarily yeah listen to what the DJ's saying, but the songs kind of seep in. So I found, I, I knew loads and loads of these songs kind of yeah. that I'd sort of absorbed without really yeah. knowing anything about them. And it's only more recently that I've tried, that I've got really interested in putting songs in kind of context of who did yeah. them and finding out about the artist and that kind of thing. So you, you talk about like, Sunday dinners and, 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 and being at home. Where was home? Where, where, did, where did you grow up? 
in Buckinghamshire, so sort of between High Wycombe and Amersham, kind of just northwest of London, like London yeah. suburbs, basically. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's move the the, the the childhood the childhood on a little bit now to track three, which yeah. is the song that reminds you of your school days. So. Before I realised that it was secondary school, I very nearly picked uh, I've Got a Little Something For You by MM8, if you remember that one. Oh, I've it? Got a That's Little Something For You. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that by? MM8. MM8? Yeah. Was it MM8? Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. No, I, well, I was also a massive E17 fan when I was really young. Deep. Deep is a great song. I mean, it's not, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I saw them at the South End, uh, at the Radio One Roadshow in South End. They were the warm-up act, and uh, before the actual act, I believe, was Kingmaker. Nice. And PM Dawn. <laughs> but yeah, wow. E17 with a warm-up, and they come out and done uh, House of Love. Yeah, oh, good. Great That's song. Good. Great song. Um, but yeah, I've gone for something a little bit uh, cooler. <laughs> You've gone secondary school, right? I've gone secondary school, and I've picked just by Radiohead. Okay. Um, and there are, there are loads of songs that remind me of this school time, but this one in particular is the only time I ever got a detention at school was for singing the guitar solo in a chemistry lesson. So the guitar solo to this song is pretty kind of shredding. And, I don't know, How, how's it going? Well, I, I mean, I'm not gonna do it now. I see your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just a horrible noise. And it's not like the song was also playing. I was just, yeah. it was just me making this noise. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Susie Gage got a detention. Yeah. I mean, that's a good reason to get a <laughs> yeah. detention. Recreating the guitar solo from Just. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's quite a heavy record for a kid at school to be listening to. Yeah, there were there were a few of us at my school who we just got really into kind of late, I guess. So I, I was born in 1983, so by the time, and I don't have any older siblings, so it's kind of me discovering these things by myself. That's interesting, because a, a lot of guests I've had on here, they, they, their kind of tastes were sculpted by yeah. having older siblings that would, you know, they'd go and rob their records and stuff yeah. like that. I definitely feel like I would have, I would have, got into this kind of music earlier if I'd known how to find it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the end of a century on top of the pops and then I went on holiday to France and there was a girl staying in the next gite who had park life and we listened to it just like loads and loads and so I went and bought it as soon as I got home. But to date that, I bought park life the day The Great Escape came out because right. I'm contrary. <laughs> um, because I knew I liked it, basically. Yeah. Um, so I was a little bit, I was late to Blur and I was late to kind of Britpop, but I definitely made up for lost time yeah. by becoming completely obsessed with it. And I really, so some friends and I went to see Ash when we were, I guess, 14. And so they must have only been, what, 16. Yeah. Um, and they played in Oxford and they did, they did two shows. They did an early evening show and then a later evening show so that people who, was, who were, underage could come yeah, to the venue yeah. so they did an alcohol free show and yeah. then a later one in the evening and because we went to the early show we were sort of hanging around afterwards waiting to be picked up and and they just came out the back so we actually got to meet them wow the best thing ever and i really loved this band called silver sun yes and we didn't know when we got there but silver sun was support so i supported silver sun a few times <laughs> great band absolutely great band um but we were we were in bands ourselves, and we all at school. Yeah, at wow. school. In fact, the kind of the band that 
was the band I was in that actually like put out albums and that kind of thing. I joined that band in Upper Sixth. They were already going, but I was in bands from sort of age 14, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll get on to we'll get on to that as 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 we go through this, but. <coughs> For, there was a, a runner-up for this, which we'll get onto in a minute. Yeah. But you, you mentioned, like, when, I, when I, you said about things like Ash and, and Blur and things like that at school, I understand why a lot of people at school would get that because yeah. it was it was all over the papers. You know, Damon Albarn was a pop star. Yeah. You know, he was more than just an indie star, wasn't he? He was yeah, a, a, yeah. a full-up cover star of Smash Hits. So, and, and that's because I think stuff like Ash and Blur and maybe Suede and Pulp and things like that are all based around pop hooks and, you know, well-structured, crafted yeah. pop songs to a degree. Radiohead on. I think Radiohead are way more experimental. And, and so I just find it yeah. interesting that, you know, someone 13, 14 years of age is already finding... I guess Just is probably one of their more accessible-sounding yeah. records, isn't it? But then when you get the album... That's pretty dark isn't it right uh well so just is on um ben's sorry ben's, course, yeah. yeah and that, so i i can i can actually remember the first time i heard radiohead as well and it was we were going on a family holiday to california and we were flying with virgin atlantic and i was really excited because they had tv screens on the back of the chairs and i'd never seen that before and i guess i must have been this must have been when i was about 14 13 maybe but you, so you could watch what you wanted to watch, you could choose what you wanted to watch. And they had music videos, and they had sort of groups of three music videos. And there were three Radiohead music videos on there. There was uh, Fake Plastic Trees, there was, I can't remember what the... High and Dry? It might have been High and Dry, but actually I think it might have been Street Spirit. Wow. And there was Just. I mean... And the video for Just is, the so it's a man lies down on the ground yeah. and you just see the subtitles and everyone's asking him why he's lying down and he won't tell them, he won't tell them, he won't tell them. At the very end, you don't see the subtitles but he tells them and then suddenly everyone else is lying oh, down. Yeah. And when you're sort of 14 years old, that's exactly what you want. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm disaffected too. <laughs> I, I just think that video is incredible. It is incredible. I belittled it, but it is brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, as is the Street Spirit video, yeah. which, is, which is amazing. But, you know, songs like Street Spirit, you know, there's... They are just heavy records, yeah. and like I think if you're listening to that at 13, 14, then you're on the right path, right? Well, I hope I hope so. I, f I think so, and I think yeah, it was Blur were kind of like to use a not at all accurate drug analogy, like the the Britpop gateway drug or the sort yes. of indie gateway drug, yeah, of course. and that kind of opened up the door to listening to all sorts of other Definitely. records and like starting to read the music press. Like, I used yes. to read like. There were magazines called Vox and Select, Select, and I have all of my old school folders and notebooks are like plastered in pictures of bands like Symposium or you know. Oh, right, do you know what? Friday night, Symposium come into my head, right? <laughs> and I was at the Pink Toothbrush, and I, I stopped DJing. I got into the, the, the office, and that's when I kind of. When I'm not DJing, sometimes I'll indulge my YouTube, yeah. uh, you know, little sort of sinkholes and go down and see what I can find. And Symposium was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Well, because like, the singer like broke Ross, his leg because right. he used to throw himself around so it much. It was at the White Club in Chelmsford, and he, he made the enemy. He climbed into the roof, into like the suspended ceiling, climbed along it, and then it collapsed on, yeah. on, on the crowd. It was an amazing gig, and I was in that crowd. And then I just thought... 
what are they up to? Then it dawned on me that a couple of them were in Helis for Heroes. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and I just... Yeah. I think, so I've certainly seen posters for, there was a guy called Wojciech in Symposium and he's still playing solo. Yes, Or was last right. year or the year before, yeah. certainly. That's right. Since moving to Liverpool, um, Liverpool does seem to be, Britpop never died in Liverpool, yeah. I don't think. So since I've moved there, I've seen Cast, I've seen Space, I've seen... Um, Mark Morris, yep. I've seen uh, Chris Helm from the Seahorse, yep. <laughs> who's just the loveliest bloke. Um, but it's like, you can go yeah. and see Britpop people anytime you want. I can't even think where we was going with this, Symposium. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, what, what song, what Symposium song was it that you uh, sought out? Fairweather Friends? Uh, no. Uh, Farewell to Twilight. Oh yeah, Farewell to Twilight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah that it's good. One. There was, I think my favourite was the one called The Answer to Why I Hate You. That's a really good song. <laughs> Who's going to remember Symposium? Me and uh, you, I think yeah. that's about it. <laughs> yeah. um, so how, how was school? Did you enjoy school? Um, peaks and troughs. Okay. Uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of it. I really, really didn't like A-levels at all for various reasons. But I didn't do as well as everyone expected. I didn't particularly enjoy... The, the A-level I really enjoyed was English literature. I absolutely loved that. Um, and I think, to be honest, if it hadn't been for English literature A-level, I probably wouldn't have got into UCL to do psychology, and I probably wouldn't be where I am now at all. And not any of the sciences I did. So I couldn't decide what A-levels to do. Was there pressure on you then? You obviously... Well, I did really well at my GCSEs, right. and I'd sort of done really well all the way through. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of pressure and then I massively underperformed for my A-levels. I'm, like, I'm, I didn't do badly at all, but I didn't do what was expected of me. And no one said they were disappointed, but I was disappointed in myself, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really You've lucky. let yourself down. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, did, I did an extra A-level. I did... At the time, it was usual to do three A-levels, and I did four because I wanted to do music as well. Mm -hmm. And in the end, God, music was such a disaster. I, like, I didn't get on with the teacher, and, uh, yeah, um, just, just didn't really enjoy the A-level at all. Yeah. Um, but because I did an extra one, like, the total points that I got were just about enough. I didn't get the grades that UCL wanted me to get to go there to do psychology. Mm. But they also interviewed people, and they, when they interviewed me, we talked about one of the books that we're studying for A-level English, which was this book called Regeneration by Pat Barker, which is kind of a semi-fictionalised, semi-biography of um, Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen in this war hospital in Scotland dealing with shell shock. So it was kind of like around the time when psychology was sort of first being better understood and thinking that actually that's not just the physical effects of war but it might have a huge impact on your mental health as well and understanding that something like shell shock post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. was a thing and not just yeah. sort of not just something that people needed to sort of chin up and get over yeah. with actually that there are ways that we can help people and I mentioned that in the interview and the person who was interviewing me had read it as well and I'm, I'm convinced that that's the reason why I got my place because when I went to pick up my level results and realised I hadn't got the grades, I'd sort of run home and by the time I got home my dad was already on the clearing website sort of thinking, well, what are we going to do now? And it was only because I spoke to someone else that they said, well, why don't you ring and find out whether you have got a place at UCL or not? And I did and they said, yeah, yeah, 
we still want you. And I mean, that was incredibly lucky. And so I got to UCL and immediately just sort of threw myself into it. First essay yeah. I wrote, I got a first four. I was like, oh, good, I can do this. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's yeah. okay. But yeah, I really thought that, oh, well, at that point, I just wanted to be a rock star anyway. So that definitely didn't help matters in terms yeah. of knuckling down and getting on with my A-levels. I thought there was more to life than A-levels. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks Anyway, I'll shut up and get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Okay, well, look, let's go back a little bit now and let's definitely move away from the, the credibility of um, Radiohead. And I should point out that you did have a, a close second here for the Sonic Mind Your School, which was something for the weekend by Divine Oh, Comedy. yeah. And the main reason for this is that my friend Gina, she sang this song to me well before I ever heard it. And she, because she was like, oh, there's a song, you'll really love it. But the way she sang it to me was sort of really operatic and kind of booming and bombastic. And then when I eventually heard this sort of like jolly, tiny Neil Hannon, um, it was completely different to what I was was expecting. But then I started absolutely loving it. And also that there were two brilliant songs that year called Something for the Weekend, because there was also Something for the Weekend by the Super Super Fairy Animals. And I think they were both on the same Shine compilation. Brilliant. Um, you mentioned that the, the uh, Divine Comedy, you know, your, your friend sang it in a grand operatic style. Now, one of my favourite albums, when I'm feeling pissed off, is a short album about love by the Divine Comedy, which is, I believe, 
I think it was recorded live, um, and that's, I think it's only about six tracks on it. And uh, do, do you know the album? Not very well, but yeah, it's a bit. full orchestra, yeah. and it's, I, I think, everybody knows that I love you's on there. Um, Incredible song. But the rest of it is just huge sanding, and it's, it's, it's a really sad album. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I, th I think... Has that got Our Mutual Friend on it? Yes. Oh, that song is just like, it's, brilliant. It's, it's a cracking album, absolutely cracking album. Okay, so let's stop talking about Credible Acts. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. Track four, the first record that you remember purchasing, Susie? The first record I remember purchasing is Happy Nation US version by Ace of Base. I love the fact US version. That's what it was called in my, I don't know, I mean, I don't know why it was called that, but that is what it was called. Okay. <laughs> and I really vividly remember buying it because we went uh, to, it was Amersham or High Wycombe, I can't remember, uh, to go shopping and to our price and I've, so I saved up my pocket money so I could buy it and um, I remember my dad saying well you could buy it on CD and then you could put it onto a cassette and then you can listen to it on your cassette uh, headphones Walkman Walkman <laughs> got the word Walkman <laughs> uh, and you can listen to it in a CD player yeah but logical yeah, this makes absolute sense, but I had such inability to delay, delay gratification that I went, no, I'm buying it on cassette so we can listen to it in the car on the way home. <laughs> it's like a 15-minute <laughs> you know, exactly drive. what I would do. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, so that was definitely the first album that I bought. So was that All That She Wants on there? Um, all That She Wants. Uh, I saw the I sign. I saw the sign. <sighs> it was, I mean, it was sort of wall-to-wall bangers and yeah. I used to listen to that album and read point horror books which were these sort of the sweet to the sour they were yeah well I'm sure that I in my head some of the plot lines of the point horror books were kind of in these songs and I'm sure they weren't but in my mind it was like I've listened to Ace of Base and yeah. thought like I'll kill <laughs> definitely <laughs> right there's also more to this as usual. Um, had a load of weird cassette singles, <laughs> oh, but yeah. what I really remember is the album. Um, so I'm going to list some of these singles for you, Suze. <laughs> um, Bad Boys Inc. Yeah. I mean, that was I can't like. I remember the song. Was that like a D list take that? They were, yeah, they were a little boy band. Um, Amy Grant. Baby, Big Yellow baby. Taxi. Oh, it's no. her cover of Big Yellow Taxi. That's right, yeah. yeah. I've got that on seven inches for some reason. I have on CD. CD single. It's like an animated sleeve with like a yellow taxi on the front, Probably, isn't it? Like a kind yeah. of drawing of it. Pet Shop Boys, Pet Shop Boys featuring French and Saunders. <laughs> what was the song? Absolutely fabulous. It was. Oh yeah. Yeah. They did the. It was like a comic relief song. Absolutely. Yeah. So that. So it went. The money went to charity. So it's okay. That's all right. It's putting a but bit like back. the Petrol Boys are so good. They've got so yep. many brilliant songs, and yet that's the only thing by them that I own. That's shameful. Yeah, that's that's fucking tragic. <laughs> yeah, it really is, isn't it? But I also used to, I didn't used to buy a lot of CDs, but what I did used to do was go to the library and um, rent out CDs and then scan. We had a scanner. It was rubbish. I mean, it came out of, like, stripey and everything, but I'd scan the covers yeah. and then cut them out and put them in. So I've got, like, 
Deserter songs by Mercury Rev, where I've like cut out yeah. the cover and stuck it in, and then Barrafundle by the Gorkies, yeah. um, all sorts of things like albums that I. I've still got CDs like that. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> in fact, my parents keep going, "When are you going to clear out the cupboard? Like, please come and throw all these things away." Brilliant. But you've also put the first single you bought. Well, it was bought for me. Ah. Yeah. No, I was I was too young to buy singles myself, but uh, I think we're alone now by Tiffany. Apparently, with the first single that was sort of bought because I was pestering for it. Mm. Classic song. <laughs> Is it any good? Is it a good pop song? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it's not something that I would. I quite like the pre-chorus. I like the running just as fast yeah. as you can. Yeah, yeah. Get away. I think that's quite a good little hook. Yeah. But the I think we're alone bit. I think it's a bit dull. I think yeah, it drops I off. mean, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and defend it because I don't care about it anymore. You own it. <laughs> <laughs> At the me. time, I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant! But can you remember where you, where you bought it, Ace of Ace? I'm pretty sure it was our price, but our I can't price. remember. I think it was High Wycombe our price. Right. Oh, I also remember going. To there to buy uh, Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. Someone else has had that on one of their song choices as well. Have you listened to that recently? <laughs> Why would I? I don't know. <laughs> like, but see, the thing is, when every but, now and again. So it was the remix that everyone knew. Yeah. Wasn't it? Because there was like the actual version's quite boring. Yeah. And then, but the remix where it goes all sped up and. All helium yeah. based, yeah. That was the Levi's ad, wasn't it? It was the Levi's yeah. ad, like inside my stilt skin as well, another Levi's ad. And when, when I've had guests on here that I just think, ah, oh, they're going to be really cool with their choices. When you've got the guitarist from Block Party banging on about the merits of stilt skin, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know your guest is being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the good. So the weird thing about these questions is sometimes it's quite hard to get your favourite people in because some of these, there are answers that are just. You can't massage it to make you look cool or anything. It's like, not a point. Yeah, because it's not as fun yeah, as the truth or as absolutely. interesting as the truth. Absolutely. Right, so we're on track five. Yes. The song that soundtracked your year's clubbing. Yeah. So is this at university? Um, probably actually after university when I first moved to Bristol. Okay. So, so I went to uni in London and in fact I did used to go out around here quite a bit. Uh, there used to be a bar on the corner just by Old Street Station called Bar 170. Mm -hmm. And the first time I went there I went to the wrong place because I thought it was called Bar 170 because it was at 170 Old Street. But it was actually called Bar 170 because all the drinks cost £1.70. <laughs> and it had sawdust on the floor. Is that a really bad thing? I don't know. That, that sounds like, you know, you, you might have stumbled on something there. <laughs> I mean, I understand where you went wrong. Like, you know, it's an easy thing to do, right? But to end up in the wrong place, but drinks are £1.70. No, no, no. Well, no. When I eventually found Bar 170, it was called Bar 170 because the drinks were £1.70. At 170 Old Street was a Lytton Tree pub, which ah. was, I didn't want to be in. Right, so, yeah. that figures, that figures. <laughs> but it's okay, I learnt from my mistakes, and uh, we used to go there a lot. Um, we used to go to the Underworld yep. uh, in Camden, and I went to Fabric once, uh, and what's it, the one, is it called Turn Mills? Yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, I would definitely rather go to an indie disco than yep. go clubbing. And when I moved to Bristol, uh, there was a great, there was a club called Club Stutter on a Thursday night, and um, it used to have bands playing at it. There was this amazing band called Thunderbirds Are Now who played there um, when they were on tour. And 
loads and loads of things. I actually think I saw test icicles there. So right. it was that, that kind that of date. Kind of era. It. Yeah. Right. So I nearly picked a test icicles song, but I picked Love and Pain by Claw. Because I really, really loved Claw. They only did one album, but I, I genuinely still listen to it now. I think it's really brilliant. I, I hassled them and got one of them to come and DJ for me once about five years ago, long after Claw had yeah. disbanded. Because uh, I think it's the producer now, one of them does production, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, that album, do you know what? Anyone I know that heard that album loves yeah. it. But so many people just didn't pick up on that no, band. No, I think I saw them at Camden Crawl. I think they played, well, maybe it was the first Camden Crawl yeah. in 2005. It was just before I moved to Bristol. And, uh, oh, some, not magazine, who are, who, what are they called? The band that, oh, my mind has gone completely blank. What did they do? Uh, who went on to do magazine? Television. No, that was what I keep thinking, but it's, oh, you might have to okay. cut this, sorry. Right. My mind's gone totally blank. I can't think now. English band. Buzzcocks. Buzzcocks, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the Buzzcocks played right. at uh, this Camden Crawl, yeah. and then a band called Gravenhurst played, who I then became, when I moved to Bristol, I became really good friends with Nick Tolbert, who, who is Gravenhurst. But the first time I ever saw him was, was at Camden Crawl. And he was initially on a record label called Stink, uh, Sink and Stove, who went on to sign my band, who had been going for quite a while by this point, um, You and the Atom Bomb. So there was kind of, it was amazing, an amazing night and it was only slightly ruined by my then boyfriend dragging me to go and see Hardfire, who I thought were awful. <laughs> but I did get to see Claw, so, and I hadn't heard of Claw before and they were just amazing and then I bought the album and they played at Club Stutter. So that's why I've picked Love and Pain by Claw. Okay, so I normally ask guests like what they expected from, from clubbing and I'm going to ask you anyway. What, what did you want from clubbing as, as a you know as a 18, 19, 20 year old when you'd, you'd go out? What was it you wanted to hear? You know, what did you want from a night out? Um, I don't. I like dancing, and I I wanted to hear new music as well. Like that's why I liked kind of indie discos because when I actually I remember when I first moved to London when I went to uni, it was just when Trash was happening, and right. I remember going to Trash a few times, and that was wild. Like, I think. We, me and my friend went to see the Yeah Yeah Yeahs at Trash, which was an amazing, amazing night. But it was also like hearing music that you'd never heard before yeah. and then, then going and sort of finding out more about it and listening to it and expanding right? your kind yeah. of musical horizons. But also like meet boys, uh, yeah. go dancing, you yeah. know, make connections with people, that, all, all that kind of thing really. Yeah. But we did used to go out as sort of a big gang and yeah. have a really good time. Fantastic. Track six. Although actually, so there is another answer for that one as well. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, yes. Because the so other... So you're, you're a promoter as well as a doctor. <laughs> well, not so much a promoter, but um, I used to uh, have a club night that I ran called OST, uh, where we just used to DJ music from soundtracks. And it was at this time that I was in a Goblin covers band, so Goblin being the 
1970s Italian kind of prog funk band that did the soundtrack to things like Dawn of the Dead mm -hmm. and uh, Suspiria, which obviously is being remade at the moment, with a soundtrack by uh, Tom York. Oh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> it should be combining my interests, but actually I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with it not having the incredible Goblin soundtrack. Yeah. But it does look really good. It's got Tilda Swinton in it, and yeah. I think it genuinely might be a good remake. We'll so, see. at what point in Bristol do you think, let's put on a club night, okay. I'll tell you what, let's put on a, a, a club night just playing official soundtracks. And, and how did you facilitate that? Was it you and a group of you, or? It was me and my then boyfriend, who was also in the Goblin Covers Band. And it was kind of because the Covers Band had gone like really well to the point where we'd only really been booked in venues that had a non-covers band policy because we weren't like your normal covers band yeah and you get half the audience coming up to you and nerding out about Dario Argento films or whatever another yeah. half going like wow uh, where like how do you write these songs they're really amazing like not realizing that yeah. you're a covers band at all and I it was just when um that kind of music was becoming a bit more popular mm -hmm. or sort of getting into culture a bit. It was when, was it, it was Daft Punk did a cover of Tenebrae, mm -hmm. which is another Goblin song. Was it Daft Punk or Justice? I think Justice. Justice, yeah. I knew it wasn't Daft Punk when I said it. Um, and that kind of, it was all sort of coming back into consciousness and then we ended up having to stop the covers band because Goblin actually reformed. So it was like, oh, this is a bit weird now. <laughs> oh, he's been at Goblin by Goblin. Exactly. Um, but we, we knew, obviously we knew all the little alternative venues in Bristol as well. Yeah. So it was actually, wasn't that difficult to find a venue in Bristol that was sort of niche enough to have these kind of weird and wonderful nights. And we had other friends who used to put on nights there that were quite, like, avant-garde maybe isn't quite the right word, but sort of unorthodox. Uh, so... There's this venue called Mother's Ruin, and it wasn't like they, they thought it was a great idea, so they went for it, and it went really well. But then, it somehow we ended up doing it in a much bigger venue, sort of right in the centre of town, called Start the Bus, which on a Friday night, I think, which I'm thinking that must be wrong because it's not the most accessible. And this was like a big venue mm. in the middle of town that had a lot of sort of passing trade, and they let us come in and play. Like, I mean, we played like the Breakfast Club soundtrack and yeah, like that kind yeah. of sort of hits as well as really obscure kind of yeah. police procedures from the 1970s. <laughs> it was good, it was fun. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, you, you know, when you, just to touch on something you said then, so it's about you and your friends could know all the little venues and it was, it was a you know, Bristol was a place where you could indulge those avant-garde nights and put them yeah. on. Do you think that still exists? It definitely still exists in Bristol because I know a lot of my friends are still doing it and I'm, I think it must still exist. I'm, I'm getting to know the places in Liverpool but it does take time and it is, it is a difficult thing to leave somewhere. Like I lived in Bristol for 12 years and so you know, I, mean, I knew so many pub landlords. <laughs> I'm like, they would often let you come and DJ um, there was a, there's a pub called the Hillgrove in Bristol that I used to live down the road from. It's one of the best pubs maybe in the world. And they, um, they would let us come and DJ there or they ran pub quiz as well. They'd let us come and run the pub quiz and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it was just, yeah, brilliant. And I, Bristol certainly got that kind of 
edge to Definitely. it where there's lots of fun yeah. stuff going on. I think Liverpool does as well. It's just a case of kind of finding it. Yeah. And that's the fun part, right? Exactly, yeah. Track six, Dr. Susie Gage. Favourite song from an artist from your hometown? Okay. Can you think of any artist from, from High Wycombe? Buckinghamshire, yeah. Howard Jones. Yeah, that's the only one I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'm, I mean, I don't really, I know what is love anyway, but I, I mean, I, if you've only got one song to pick from, it's... Don't start dissing Jones on here. I'm not, I'm not dissing, um, dissing nobody, but... Um, <laughs> so, uh, you must remember new song by Howard Jones. No. I've been waiting for so long. Do, 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 do. Come on, that made me sing Oh, sorry, I feel like I've let you down. Um, but some of my friends growing up went on to form bands and uh, my favourite is a band called Three Trap Tigers. Mm -hmm. So the guitarist from Three Trap Tigers, Matt Calvert, was a friend of mine when we were growing up and the song Reset is the song that I've picked here and it's incredible and also you should go and check out the video because it's got Matt Berry in it and it's wow. really, really good. But yeah, they're a three-piece, uh, and their drummer is this guy called Adam Betts, who is one of the best drummer, maybe the best drummer I've ever heard. And uh, they've also so Matt and Adam, and Matt's got a twin brother called John. Um, they also do a lot of work with the Heritage Orchestra. So on Goldie's recent tour, where he yep. did it with an orchestra, they were the band that was wow. with the orchestra, um, and they've also. Oh, I'm trying to think of who else they've worked with, but loads of people anyway, and they're really incredible musicians. But Three Trap Tigers are a fantastic band, and yeah, so so I picked Reset, even though only Matt is from Bucks, and they weren't doing it when he lived in Bucks, and I don't think he would consider them to be a band from yeah. Bucks at all. So you can I, have them by default, so that's all right. I can have them, but I also snuck in a little, like, being that I lived in Bristol for most of my adult life, it kind of feels like it's my hometown now. So I've also snuck in, sneakily, uh, Danny Dodelko by Idols, who Solid. are my current favourite favorite band, but definitely current favourite Bristol band. It's a glorious racket, isn't it? That new album is just amazing. And I don't know if you saw, but yesterday they announced they're going to be on Jules Holland next week, which wow. I am so excited about. Yeah, it's going to oh be amazing. So, Bristol bands, I mean, there's a lot, right? There are a lot. And there's a lot of recent ones as well. I mean, Bristol, in a way, it's a bit like Liverpool in that it's sort of got a big shadow hanging over it that it's hard to get out from underneath. So you get the, that. In Bristol, it's trip-hop, obviously. Yeah. So you've got, yeah. Did you ever see the, the Bristol band called Halo? Oh, that name rings a bell, but I can't the, place the, the, it. The front man was like literally had a, a bald head but a tiny little inch high mohawk oh. and they sounded a bit muse like early muse and uh, and yeah they, they signed to sony but only like it never really happened for them yeah. and, and all it was we, we played a gig of them one night and they were the greatest thing i ever saw Oh, actually, um, I think that's where I've heard of I've heard you mention yeah, them before. Yeah, and I, I wound my band up after watching them. I just thought, nah, they're too good. <laughs> Got knocked out of my head. But no one, no one knows them. And it was yeah. only when you started talking about Bristol bands. Well, maybe you'll know them. Um, okay. So let's talk about your band. Yeah. We haven't spoke about that. So are you a Bristol so band? band? Are you a Bucks band? No, where we, are you from? we formed at school. We were a Bucks band, all okay. of us from, from Buckinghamshire. 
And what did you do? So, well, I'm asking you, I know, but tell, tell the I, listeners. I played keyboards and I sang. And when we were at school, we were still called the Subterraneans. Um, and then when we, when we moved to Bristol, we, uh, there were other bands called the Subterraneans, so we changed our name to You and the Atom Bomb. Uh, of course, then it so happened that just as we signed to this Bristol record label, Sink and Stove, a band emerged called You, Me and the Atom Bomb. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, just yeah. a really bizarre coincidence. Um, and we'd also both written a song about the same bit of graffiti in Bristol, which is even more really? bizarre. Yeah. That's surreal. Well, it's, it's right behind the best venue in Bristol. So yeah. there's a venue called The Croft, and when you yeah. go and park, you have to drive around the back, and there was a big bit of graffiti that said Mudwig Barnhoff. So there's this graffiti artist called Mudwig, and he used to write Mudwig thing everywhere. And so, yeah, we both had a song called Mudwig, which is bizarre. <laughs> so, did you want to be a doctor or did you want to be a rock star? Oh, back then, I, def I had no... Like, I didn't want to be a doctor until I was at least 26. Um, I did psychology at uni because I thought it would be interesting. I did a master's because it meant I could live in London for another year. I mean, that's not, that's not wholly true. It's because I was like, oh, good, I can actually do this. And, um, and I wanted to carry on. And I liked studying. But I didn't think that you could have a career in academia. I didn't really understand that was even possible. So as soon as I finished my master's, I moved down to Bristol because the rest of the band lived there. Yeah. And spent a year... Uh, temping and working as a secretary for... To facilitate the band? Well, working as a secretary in the NHS. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just basically getting a salary so that we could... We lived all in a house together. Yeah. And we... That's intense. Yeah, it was like really intense. Like the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the monkeys. And uh, we gigged loads and we recorded loads and it was great fun. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of what I wanted to do. Did you feel you, you ticked all the boxes that you wanted to do in music? Oh, I really... So I, I was still in bands until I moved to Liverpool. And it's when I'm, I was in actually, I was in an amazing band just before I left. Um, but I had to leave that when I moved up, up to Liverpool. And I haven't yet been able to find people to do music with yet, but I really want to. I do, I love playing. I, I, I quite often come in from work and I'll just sit down at the piano and play because it, it's kind of like mindfulness in a way that you you know if you're still making mistakes when you're playing then you haven't let go of like the stress of the day and it's when the muscle memory kicks in and you're playing sure. and you're not thinking about it that you're like okay right I've closed the work day and I'm lost in this now. moved on yeah and I really like that um, so I like to play like Debussy and Chopin but also uh, sort of Radiohead and yeah. um, Ben Folds 5 and that kind of thing. Oh, I love a bit of Ben Folds. Yeah, I wish I was better at the piano so I could play it better. Favourite <laughs> Ben Folds song? Oh, oh. The, my favourite one to play is Brick. Mm. Favourite one to play on the piano, definitely. I don't know about what my favourite one is. Have you heard Still Fighting It? Mm. Slays yeah. me. Slays me. <laughs> song about getting old. Yeah. <laughs> like getting old. <laughs> Oh, it's nice to reminisce. Um, track seven. Yeah. A song that many may not know, but you would like them to hear. I have picked a song called Sounds of Earth by Jim Murray. Okay. Tell us a bit about him. So Jim Murray is a traditional folk 
artist and um, I should probably start off with full disclosure that this song was my birthday present a couple of years ago. Um, it's about the Voyager space probes that were sent off into space in the 60s had these golden records mounted on the side of them with the sounds of Earth. They were called the sounds of Earth, golden records. So they were mounted on the sides of this spacecraft that was then sent off into space. It was Carl Sagan's idea. Um, and the song is about those records, but it's also about Carl Sagan sort of put this team together and one of the women in this team team was called Andrew in, and the song is also about that while they were getting like compiling finding sounds that represented the human race basically or and earth more even more broadly that had the sounds of dogs barking it had the sound of whale song and it had mm -hmm. uh, 50s rock and roll and it had uh, they were really struggling to find this recording of a Chinese lute basically and eventually Anne found it she rang Carl Sagan to tell him played it onto his answer machine because he wasn't there and he rang her back and said let's get married basically <laughs> he said I love you let's get married so the song is kind of about their sort of love story as well as this sending this golden record it's now the furthest man-made so the Voyager probes are the furthest man-made object from earth of any object and they've got these records on the side of them in the hope that if there is life out there that it that they will learn about Earth from it. Amazing. But the day after they had this phone call, um, Andrew was also recording the sound of brainwaves. So she knew what she needed to think about when, when, she, uh, when she had the electrodes attached to her head. She thought about Carl Sagan and she thought about falling in love with him. So also on these golden records is the sound of a human falling in love. Wow. So I mean, as far as birthday presents go, it was pretty good. <laughs> How did you get that as a birthday present? Um, because Jim Murray is, is my boyfriend. Ah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so this all makes sense. So, then. yeah. Okay. And he was quite annoyed with me. Is he your boyfriend? Said. Because for that, this oh, whole actually, of this, this, this interview, you, you've been playing with this, this little shiny thing on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had him a couple of weeks ago, and he's now my fiance. Yeah. Congratulations, Thanks. Susie. That's lovely to Thank hear. Thank you. So, your fiance is Jim Murray? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. So uh, he was definitely not overly keen about me picking this song, but I don't care because it's a great song and I want those people to hear it. And if you're seven, you can choose whatever you exactly. want, right? Exactly. Yeah. It Deal was with a, it, Jim. it was nominated for a uh, BBC Folk Award the year it was written, and it, it was shortlisted. It didn't win, but I still think it's the best song ever. So that's, I'm not at all biased. <laughs> I think that's the most beautiful way you could finish a podcast. I think that's oh. absolutely lovely, Suze. Um, so, what are you up to nowadays then? So nowadays I uh, am doing science at Liverpool University. Um, I've just actually been awarded a fellowship by the Wellcome Trust to do more public engagement. So my plan is with the Say Why to Drugs podcast to kind of expand it and uh, record some more episodes. I'm writing Say Why to Drugs, the book at the moment, which is really exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm just doing lots of things like that. I'm really keen to do more, really. So, yeah. And for those that... I'm sure most people that listen to this are going to be very aware of everything else that's on the network. But um, obviously, you're, you're also part of 
Scroobs Network. Yes, so. yes. So Say Hi so. to Drugs is my podcast. And in it, quite often with Pip, but sometimes with other scientists or other just sort to, of experts. Just to clarify, Pip's not a scientist. <laughs> he just looks smart because he's got a beard. There's no wisdom behind that. <laughs> what? He talked... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte. Um, yeah, so we talk about a different recreational drug or concept around recreational drug each episode. So and it's not pro or anti, is it? It's not pro. It, the idea, I originally set it up because I wanted to do something that didn't have any kind of judgment, hyperbole or spin. It just presented what we know about these substances, but also what we don't know and looking at some of the myths and misconceptions that exist around them as well. Fantastic. Well, um, where can they find out about this? So where can they find you? So I'm on Twitter, at Suzophone, but with double O, Suzophone, rather yep. than... Well, we'll tag coming. you in everything. That'll probably yeah. make it easier, yeah, won't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, go and give it a, a follow and a listen. And Dr Susie Gage, thanks loads for coming to, uh, to London from up north. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been really lovely. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully I'll see you very soon. There we have it. Another episode of Off The Beaten Track finished. Done. I hope you enjoyed it um, as much as I enjoyed recording it. Dr. Susie Gage is... I've got to stop saying doctor. Is is she going to get the amp if I don't refer to her as doctor all the time? I'm sure she's not. Um, It was lovely catching up with Susie. Uh, Wealth of knowledge on everything, obviously. She's a doctor, but loads of knowledge on music and... And, and what a journey and what a lovely chat and what lovely people you are for listening to the end so thank you very much and I will see you next time it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me Stu Whipping Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.